Coming up next time, Rider Spotlight. Hi, I'm Kristen Broderick. I'm a ladies expert racer here in Canada, and I am doing a fundraiser for myself to get to ISCE in 2022. I'll be selling some t-shirts. Uh, if you look at my ladies off-road dirt biking page on Facebook, or if you check me out on Instagram, you can find those shirts there. If you'd like to support me on my road to ISCE, I would love that. So thank you. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right. Boy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Barry Moore. My next guest is an Alberta racing legend, an ISDE gold medalist, organizer of some of the province's most iconic Red Bull events, such as Extinction, Rocks and Logs, and Outliers. His new project, Rad 2.0, is inspiring more young people to get into the sport. Coming up next, this is Shane Cuthbertson. sit down and talk to you it's hilarious like uh, really that's cool. yeah man like once i started talking to local riders uh people keep slipping suggestions into the drop like into the dm on on instagram and yep. uh yeah they're just asking me to talk to this person that person but your name keeps coming up so all oh, right on yeah man like you have a lot of support um, <laughs> that and and like uh you're running the 2.0 class uh yeah. My neighbor down the road, he's in there with you, uh, Steve Milthorpe. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so he thinks it'd be great. All uh, right. Digging into your past, uh, you've got a pretty significant relationship with uh, with Red Bull, hey? Yeah, um, I was super lucky. Um, I actually had built the track um, down at uh, Wild Rose Motorcycle Park there. And it was just, uh, it was a, basically a big garbage kind of trashy area where they put all their their stuff and some of the trials riders would ride around there and just kind of play off of you know whatever was in there but it's really overgrown so i i came up i started wanting to do enduro cross and uh i quickly found i'm like oh man i need a like a real enduro cross track to practice on it wasn't just good enough to go to the woods and play around on some logs and some rocks anymore um so you kind of needed that closed course sort of thing where you can get your heart rate spiked at you know, whatever we ride at 180, 200 and, and, um, kind of get that feeling and that training. So I just made this, a pitch to him, like, Hey, do you mind if I just clean up that area and, um, and put a little bit of a track there? And, and they said, yeah, no problem. Of course I was going to clean up kind of the mess that was there and it, and I'm like, all right, cool. So I did. And I organized a whole bunch of uh, volunteers to come out and we like, it was super easy to find obstacles and stuff like that. As soon as we kind of put the word out, there was just a flood of people wanting to help and, and build stuff. So, so yeah, we built this, the initial track was there. And, um, and so I started training on it and doing my thing and then other people started kind of seeing it there, but uh, really what hooked Red Bull was they were there for a KTM demo day at the track one day and, and, uh, and um, the manager for the area came down and she seen the track and then you could see the, the the Calgary downtown skyline in the back. So she's like, oh, this looks awesome. And she, and, and she called me. She's like, hey, you, you interested in putting an event on with us? And I said, heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was kind of, yeah, I just, it just like by pure luck, I was like, this is awesome. So, and um, so, yeah, that's kind of where the relationship started probably eight, nine years ago. And, uh, and it was awesome. Like the, the lady that I was dealing with at the time, she was just super pumped on it and, and everything flowed super easy. And for me, I was pumped because I'm like, whatever, you know, Red Bull is such a big name and, and then being able to associate it with our, our tiny little off-road sport in, in Calgary was just, I was like, I was pumped on that. So. That's crazy. Yeah. Going from a local stage to a, uh, a worldwide stage, like overnight. Yeah. Like, uh, and so, um, rocks and logs had was like, like for for four years or something like that before it switched over to outliers. Yeah, yeah we did. Um, we actually it was only supposed to be three years, and then we did another three years. So in total, we had six years. Oh wow! And, and then um, you know that's kind of Red Bull's business planning. They like to do things in sort of three year increments and see how things go and kind of reevaluate. 
so um, after the second set uh, of three years, they, they're kind of like, oh, yeah, we, we want something bigger and better. Um, we want to kind of be more on the world stage. And uh, so, again, they asked, hey, you want to help? I'm like, yeah, like I'm all in. And so yeah. <laughs> this is like a dream come true. Like you don't even have to ask me, really. So um, yeah, they're going to be polite, though. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, we started working on, uh, on the Red Bull Outliers concept and, uh, and, and I could tell right away they were, they were really serious about the Outliers concept. Um, I was talking to a lot of different people in higher capacities at Red Bull. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we kind of built that and, uh, it was kind of a unique, uh, um, project that we we embarked on and we're still kind of in it like we didn't really get to completely fulfill our our event in 2019 and then just with the snow and stuff like that and then uh and then 2020 it was canceled obviously and but um yeah i think we're coming back for 2021 so nice and planning stages and and stuff like that trying to trying to make sure that we can comply with um local regulations as far as uh, covid and and uh and put on a on a race still and test the waters a little bit for a, a really big event i think that's will be coming in in 2022 so oh that's amazing yeah Wait, you have a history of um the debut of your your events having like horrible ass weather don't you oh, totally totally <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> and and I've, it's actually helped me develop like kind of thinking on your feet and reacting real quick and making like these spur of the moment decisions and, and using the people around you that, you know, you kind of bounce a bunch of crazy ideas off, like how are we going to pull this thing off? And, and, uh, and it seems like for the most part, we've been able to, to, uh, to, to find our way around, around it, except for, for 2019, we just couldn't figure out how to pull that that last day off in the bad ones, yeah. all the snow. It was just too dangerous. So, um, but uh, yeah, the first uh, Red Bull Rocks and Logs we did, we had a brand new track. Everything was fresh, and like the soil was all because we had built it from scratch. We basically leveled the entire place, and um, so it was the soil was soft. And then we got like a hundred millimeters of rain the day before yeah. the event, or two day two days before the, and it just wouldn't stop raining. And, uh, so we ended up having to delay it by one day and, uh, we had, there was just a whole bunch of wood chips at the track because, uh, a lot of arborists and stuff like that, they, they call up the track and they like, Hey, we got a bunch of mulch, you know, can we just dump it there? And, and, and the track just kind of spreads in the parking areas and stuff like that to, to help keep dust down and, and, and it retains the water really well. So we, we just said, Hey, do you mind if we like just take all those piles of mulch you got and uh, we're just going to like just layer the track with it and and that's what we did and uh and then the sunday comes around and the track it just like the mulch it just absorbed all the water uh, once we got a few riders on it it's kind of all mixed in and it was like mint perfect traction and the sun came out and it was just like you know it was kind of a godsend that that happened and and so ever since, if you ever come to any Red Bull Rocks and Logs event, the, the place is just covered in mulch everywhere. That's it awesome. Seems, it, yeah, it seems to be the magic, uh, the magic bill for us there. That's amazing. And yeah. uh, I also was looking through your past there, and you have uh, the extinction events. And uh, I guess it was sort of the same thing on the opening day, horrible wind or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we had a... Yeah, pretty big windstorm that came through. Through and uh, yeah, it, the main thing in that area, it's um, it's, not, it's in Dinosaur Provincial Park or just north of Dinosaur Provincial Park on some private land, and um, just with the erosion and, and stuff like that, there you got like uh, three, four, five, six different layers of soil composition, and the one um, one area is, that's the, that's the worst for us is called Bentonite. And as soon as that's wet, it's like you you can't you can't go anywhere. Like you could be on flat ground and you'll just be spinning your wheel. You know you can't even stand up on it. Um, oh wow! I know we've we've experienced that several times out there setting up the course and you're kind of just walking along and then all of a sudden, whoop, you know your feet come out from underneath you and and away you go. Oh, like um, glass or ice, yeah, I guess. It's yeah. super, and I, I guess they use it for um, 
for like lubricating uh, like drilling like for for drilling and stuff like that they that's how slippery it's kind of a like a lubricant kind of thing oh, wow. there so so that's why we usually have it in we always aim to have it in august so that um we could almost guarantee the best um conditions because we knew yep. if it was wet it'd be pretty much an out so um so yeah the first year we did it uh, we got a little bit of a storm that came through it rained and it was like major wind storm. So that wrecked a whole bunch of tents and stuff like that. But other than that, really it was just the rain. And then we had to do a few modifications um, to the course and the qualifying um, to get around that, which we did. And then uh, we got everybody qualified and, and through, and then the sun came out again and dried everything out. And then it was like a perfect, uh, perfect race conditions for the final. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> that just seems to be Mother Nature. She just yeah. Likes to throw a few little wrenches in there, and we kind of the, the thing, people. like the saying, "Darkest before the dawn," uh, seems to be very true for all the debuts. Like, yeah. if this yeah. isn't going to work out, then yes, it works out. Like, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, I I guess you you have a, a history that goes way back uh, beyond organizing. You mm-hmm. you've raced ISDE. Uh, Erzberg, uh, Romaniacs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Is that like being a part of those events sort of what gave you the um, the drive or the ambition, I guess, to bring that here to North America? Like, yeah, and, and that, that, that and those events were were key because they kind of gave me that experience, what it looks like on an international stage, and um, and, and so I was able to bring like a lot of the experiences I had doing all those events to, to the events that we were creating. Um, and that's how uh, extinction came along. Like it was myself and, and, um, um, three of my buddies, uh, that we created this, uh, corner grass racing team way back in the day. And that, that was kind of came out of like, they wanted to help me, uh, kind of progress and, and achieve some of the goals that I had in mind for kind of bucket list things. Right. Yeah. And, and, and at that time it was hard to get like, like there was not much for social media. It was hard to get publicity. It was just kind of like you were in, if you, you were in the magazines it, and that was the best way you could do it. So we're like, well, if we're just racing locally, like we were getting okay publicity, but it was hard for us to really give the value back to our sponsors and, and kind of build upon, you know, our name and, and our sponsors branding and stuff like that. So we're like, why don't we just go like do some like, like bucket list or events, like let's go to Erzberg and let's go to Romaniacs and, and go to the six days and, and stuff like that. Um, so that's what we started doing. And then, um, you know, our sponsors were like, they just loved it because we were able to get into magazines and I started writing art articles of all of our adventures and stuff like that. So, um, so that's how we kind of got to that point. And, um, um, and then we, we got back and we're like, yeah, we, you know, we, we need something like this in Canada. Like Canadians are gnarly riders. Like they need to have these experiences that we're, that, that we've gone internationally and found, like we need to bring that to the local population and allow them the opportunity to like, see how rad this, this really is. So, so, um, that's how we came up with extinction and, uh, and we ran that for two years and um it was it was awesome like we had uh um uh throttle entertainment used to be a company that used to put out all the dvds on on uh on all these gnarly hard enduro events and you know people would just plug the dvds in and and they loved it right so we they actually came out and filmed um the second extinction that we had and um they put it in one of their videos which was pretty cool so yeah so there's like a 30 minute edit out there in the in cyberland showing all yeah, the, i was watching it um yeah. the other day yeah 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 so so yeah that was that was pretty neat and then and then yeah when red bull came along i'm just like oh i know exactly you know i i mean i have a rough idea what to do and how it should look and and so that's what we that's what they really leaned on me for was just the uh the sporting aspect of it okay they're kind of like yeah we know how to put events on we can kind of do all that administrative stuff and everything but we need you to tell us like okay so i want to have a log in in the event how big should it be kind of thing you know so that's what it all kind of boiled down to okay yeah Yeah. they they need you for the track experience 
Yeah, the track like, experience and the formatting, like how it should yeah. run and, and that type of stuff. So that's really, they kind of called me like the race director is, is sort of my title within within that group. So anytime there's anything sporting, they, they're like, hey, what do you think? And I'm like, I think we should do this. And they're like, cool, <laughs> let's do it. I'm like, that's oh. awesome. <laughs> they seem to have a pretty good um, attitude about things. Like they're just like, yeah, let's do it. Like if it if it's going to be, big then it has to be really big and yeah. uh like i like their attitude yeah yeah it's, and it's awesome it's uh like then the name of the company is just it, it just symbolizes everything and everybody knows and relates to it so as soon as somebody sees red bull they're like well this is gonna be big and that's how they developed you know their reputation over the years they just it's not like they do it you know small or kind of half-assed they, they go fall in and and the cool thing about it is they'll generally be able to provide the resources. If you come off with some off the wall idea, they're like, Oh, okay, well, you know, well, how does that look? And, um, what's it going to take? And, and they'll find ways to make it, to make it happen. Right. So that's the really cool part about it. Yeah. You, you come with that bat, that extra backing behind you and you can come up with all these off the wall ideas and make it, make it a reality. And you're just like, yeah, ha. Like I'd never be able to do that kind of stuff on my own. Right. So, Oh my God. Yeah. Their partner network must be intense. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Um, awesome. So then you also like, uh, have rad 2.0. Where did that come from? Um, so as I got bigger into the events and, uh, actually as outliers came along, I needed to have like a proper company set up to, uh, to do all that work with them as far as insurance and liabilities and stuff like that. So, so I, I developed rad 2.0 and then, uh, I, you know, I had an interest because both my boys, they, they compete and stuff like that. And I had been to ISDEs before and I'm like, I kind of seen like, um, this need to, to have sort of a, a program kind of like stick and ball sports where you could kind of bring, you know, the youth up and, and they go through like this, this systematic approach to learning how to ride better coaching. Um, you know, there's various different levels, you know, you'd have like, you know, your house leagues. And then if they wanted to get more serious about it, they kind of go through those ranks and, and progress as a professional. And that's what all these, these, um, big European, um, teams in like international six day enduro and stuff like that, like France and Italy. Um, and even the U S now they had like this, it seemed like this, this way where they could progress the, the, the racers or the riders that were interested and continue to build, build upon that. And they had proper people. So that was my initial idea as far as athletic development was to kind of sort of have like, you know, help have a, like a youth development program that I could kind of, um, you know, get a small group where I'd, I'd actually do it like, like, like hockey or whatever. I'd like, have, yeah. you know, I'd invite whatever five to 10 kids and have them come out and try have it like a little tryout, you know, and see how, you know, not only how, how good of a rider they are, but their personality and how they would fit in a, in sort of a team environment. And then, um, I wanted to kind of have them all train together and provide them the tools and the resources and stuff like that. And they could build it upon a team. And then I, I wanted to kind of have, have them do that throughout the summer and then have like a big event that they were, they, that they were working towards. Right. So like ISDE, or maybe they wanted to go to Romaniacs or maybe just even outliers or something like that. Yeah. And, and then they could all kind of develop that camaraderie within each other and stuff like that. Um, so that, that, that's, so then the athletic part of the, of the company kind of came from that. And, um, this was COVID, it kind of messed everything up. Um, so, um, and even with the racing, so, so rad stands for uh, race and athlete development. Okay. So that's where, where the, this, the synonym comes from. Um, so, so with the athlete development part, then I kind of just shifted gears and, um, I have a, a friend with Chris, Chris Birch, everybody knows Chris, and he's, he was coming over from New Zealand with his family to, to do a lot of coaching in Canada. And he had come, been come over for three or four years. And when COVID came along, obviously he couldn't travel. So he, uh, him and I kind of were talking and I'm like, Hey man, like, you know, if you, if you got people that want to have some coaching, like maybe I can just step in and, and help you out until you can kind of come back. And he thought that was a great idea. So that's kind of what, what we did last year. 
and it was really cool because I was able to, he has, he's so good at it and he's been doing it for so long. He has this like really cool system, um, like how he goes about his coaching and he's really good at explaining things and sort of identifying weaknesses and stuff like that. So it was cool for me because, uh, he was the, I was able to use him as a mentor for, for some of the training. And then when I got into it, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is really neat and rewarding. Like I, I really like this. And so, um, so now COVID's still here. He's still not yeah. over. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to kind of roll with it. And so I've been getting more active in the coaching things. Um, and, um, and so this year, 2021, we're putting a little bit more of a push on that. Nice. Um, as, as far as the athlete development part, or I call it coaching. And then, and then the racing part of it's coming back. So, so yeah, rad 2.0 is kind of starting to, it's kind of starting to pick up a little bit more steam. And, and so, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about the development and growth of the company in that way. I've seen you in the wild uh, last year out at Fallen Timber. Uh, a friend of mine and I encountered you and your, your students, cool. I guess, uh, whatever, like on the dirty moose side. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I stopped you guys from going through a sea of muskeg because <laughs> we had just suffered through it. Oh, and yeah. you're coming down this line and you're just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I was I like, hey, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. This is like, these are your new kids, right? And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck that. You're going to lose so much time just in this space. Like go around. <laughs> so awesome. uh, they already looked like a team by then. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah sweet. I remember that. And um, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's so, so much fun. Even, even stuff like that. Like you're just out there and, and these people are experiencing totally different new things. And it's just such a rewarding thing. I, yeah, I really, the more I do it, the more I'm like, man, I love this. Like, this is, this is, this is what, you know, I can give back to the sport after what I've been into it for so long, you know, and it's, it's super rewarding to have people just all of a sudden you see those light bulbs go on yeah. and it's just like, yes, like, they're like, I got it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you got it. Like, that's awesome. Oh man. Like, uh, I was talking with, with Steve yesterday about the coaching uh, he feels that I would be ideally suited for the class that he's in with you oh, yeah. uh, because you guys go through the fundamentals uh, and kind of hold a mirror up to each of the riders to sort of, sort of like humble check them, let them see where they really, where their skill set really is, and then uh, give them just a few tools that they can build on after. So mm-hmm. it seemed like if it wasn't for the fact of the timing, I'd totally be in on it, but I can't get from my job to your, your course on time for, for yeah. Thursdays, but yeah. Uh, no, that's cool. Yeah, right? That's where we're kind of trying to to play with a bunch of different things to see, you know, how we can kind of spread that out and give people the opportunity to to be in, involved in one of the coaching sessions, whether it be during the weekdays or whether it's a weekend or or what have you, and and yet still trying to fit that in with all my other responsibilities like my family and stuff. Yeah. Like that other businesses that I'm doing. So, so yeah, we're kind of playing with a bunch, I'm kind of playing with a bunch of things and trying to find what the right fit is and you know, what works for, for the public. And, and now too, it's like so crazy because the, 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 the motorcycle community is like growing so fast and um, it's just like, yeah. And, and there's so many new people in the sport. And so you want to take advantage of that and provide them the opportunities. Also those same opportunities as like our core group of people that have been in off-road for so long. So, yeah. So that's kind of a, it's, 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 it's a good thing. And, and, and also it's like, you, you now we got to figure out how to adjust and, and provide those, those opportunities to those, those new people coming in as well. Well, yeah, it's like, I mean, the, the learning curve being what it is, uh, riding with like experienced friends, like, you know, the rule always ride with somebody better than you, like, cause mm-hmm. it, they sort of pull you along. For sure. Um, and then if, if how I read the waters today, there's people joining the off-road community with absolutely no friends in, in it at all. They're just like, go to Blackfoot or, or, uh, you know, JC power and they buy their bike. They yeah. show up to the woods, ride around in circles for a little while, not knowing where to go, pack yeah. their stuff up and go home. And I think that's sort of like, uh, a bit of a letdown for them, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had people come into some of our sessions and they're like, I just don't know, you know, I, I, I'm in, I'm new, I'm here. I just don't know where to go or who to talk to. And so they're like, I came to this coaching session so that maybe I could kind of figure it out. Right. Like, yeah. 
oh, I got, oh, okay, you guys ride here. Okay, this is a new area. And then, you know, they might develop a few contacts even just from that. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And they're like, well, who, where should I go ride? And I'm like, yeah, you should check out one of the local clubs, you know, like Rocky Mountain Dirt Riders. And they hold, you know, you know, Wednesday night rides. And so then they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Awesome. You know, so it's that kind of a community thing where you're right. Like there's a lot of people that it, it's, it's tough to break in. Yeah figure it out but once you do it's like you know there's just so many more levels to that once you kind of get in right so yeah i mean like uh for us for my family it was hitting up our first uh second gear club race right like it was actually an amza one but after we were there uh we made friends uh campfire friends that we you know never saw again and then the next year we came back to an event and there's all these people remember from last year and then now we're all making contacts and making plans and you see each other a few times and now, if you want to go riding, there's someone to ride with. And yeah. it's it's not at all like what we imagined beforehand, uh, being sort of like, I don't know, like a stuck-up community. Like, if you're not vouched for, uh, no one gives a shit. Instead, yeah. it's just like, all you got to do is say hi, and everyone's like, yeah, hey, like, let's yeah, go totally. for a ride. Yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. welcoming. Like, Yeah, no, that's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. They're, I get that a lot, too. Like, people are like, oh, man, I just, like, you know, I'm like, hey, do you mind if we join you for the ride? And then, and then people get all nervous and, and weird. And I'm like, well, what's the matter? And they're like, well, I'm, I'm not your level. And I'm like, honestly, I like, I don't care. Like, I like to ride dirt bikes, so let's go, let's go ride, you know. And um, I, I don't have any expectations or or put any pressure on people to like have to go like super fast or whatever. But I, I think that's just people's nature, right? Yeah, just, I get that. But yeah, you're right. The overall community is is uh, very welcoming, and and like, you know, if you're a brand new rider and you're going out with an experienced group of of riders, generally, I would say, you know, they're they're more than welcoming. Like, come on out, you know, and 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 see what see see what it's like. And 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 I think what new riders don't understand, myself included, in the beginning, is like when you're going to ride with more advanced riders, uh, you always feel like you're holding them up, right? Like. Uh, and there's like that phase where you get just sort of good enough that uh, you can catch up to them when they're waiting for you, but you never get a break. You know, they're always rested because yeah. oh, you're yeah. struggling and you, you catch up to them and then we, they take off because they've been waiting for you and then whatever. Yeah. And, and that, that feels kind of like you're holding them back. But then you sort of take somebody along with you because you're like an inexperienced rider and they're happy to go with you. And then you're in the same spot your mentors were like, you're waiting for this person. You always get to rest. They never get to rest. And like, you know, they're struggling and then it all balances out. And it's kind of like, you realize that's part of paying your dues. Like someone waited for you. Now you have to wait for somebody. And, yeah. uh, it just, and nobody cares. Like nobody cares. Yeah. Everyone gets excited to see someone just cracking the throttle, like no matter how bad, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's the really cool part about it for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, that's like, that's my, my take. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so you've got two fast as heck kids, eh? Like, yeah. Um, I was at Wild Rose last weekend. They were there. I thought about trying to catch up to them because they'd reached out to me and we've chatted a few times. Yeah. And then I couldn't. So I was like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see them if they stop. Like, that's um, about it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so okay. that's got to feel pretty, pretty nice. Like, um, what how old are they now they're like they're mid-teens like 17 yeah. chase, chase is 18 and uh, kale is my youngest he's he's just turning 15 here next week so yeah yeah like yeah man they just have so much talent and uh it's just it's nice to watch i don't know what the like pretty much seeing any kid send it is awesome yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. uh your oldest I, 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 love, I love the kids like even when i get into coaching and i and we really didn't really do a whole lot of coaching for kids and i just started doing a couple sessions with them and and it's it's so rewarding like i i'm like because kids like they don't have any preconceived notions they don't really expect anything of you know like it's like i can't go to say to adults hey like let's go play follow leader. I'm going to find some really cool stuff. And you guys got to kind of do that kind of thing. Right. With kids, you can kind of play around with them and they're like, Oh yeah, this is awesome. Like, yeah, it, it, there's no, there's, there's no, it's, it's not, it's a little bit different than with adults. 
So, um, so we, I had a lot of fun doing that. And, and, um, and that's kind of what I do with my kids too. Like we would, you know, obviously you want them to have fun and every time you go out, you know, it's like a game and stuff like that. And that's how we kind of just, how they've kind of grown up racing or riding and racing, I guess, um, sort of following in my footsteps a little bit. And, and now it's, it's just like, yeah, I go and we ride together. I'm like, oh my God, like the funny thing is right now, all three of us are like pretty much identical um, in our abilities. And, and it's just like, we can go anywhere and, and we're just hooting and hollering at each other the whole entire time. And they're like my best buddies ever. Right. And, and yep. And the cooler part is, you know, they're my kids too. So like, we have a great time when we go around it's just so awesome. And Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, now I guess, you know, we're at, I'm at that point where now I'm just like, I'm kind of trying to hold on to their coattails a little bit. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I'm blown away because, uh, I, I, I wasn't even close to that, their, their abilities when I was their age, you know? So, so it's, it's pretty neat to, to see how they progressed. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, on the Instagram, I think Cal posted, uh, like a few weeks ago, it was the first time they went riding without dad and like, yeah they're super stoked that they're just like, you know, we're, we're growing up now. We can just do it. Like, yeah, I thought yeah. that was pretty, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, uh, he, Cal was one of the ones that was pushing me to, to interview you as well. Like, and he's oh, yeah. so stoked. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. It, when, when he reached out, I didn't connect the last name. Cause I just look at handles, like all one yeah. word kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and he's just like, yeah, my dad, Shane, he's got a lot of stories. You should talk to him. And it's just like, okay. Oh shit. That's Shane. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so yeah. they're, I don't know, man, they're just good kids. And, uh, yeah, like I'm happy for you, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. dad, you know, no, I mean, it's, yeah. and it's, and we're super happy too. And, and I think a lot of it, um, you know, why, why I think, I mean, everybody thinks their kids are, are great and awesome yeah. and stuff like that, obviously. Um, but you know, I feel like we're super lucky because they grew up in the community and, um, we were always out and we still are uh, super active in the community and, um, you get to meet so many different people. You're out kind of, you know, competing, whether you're competing or just riding and it's like, they, I don't know, they just kind of stayed that that's what they, that what, that's what they loved. And, and, you know, they didn't kind of get into like messing around like big parties and stuff like that like they just didn't they were just like i'd rather go out with with mom and dad and let's go camp and meet all of our friends that we see every weekend and stuff like that and and for so for for me i think you know having having had them grow up in in our local community and and and, and in the sport really helped kind of develop who they are you know as a person so um, and you know, obviously I'm super passionate about the community and stuff like that. Yeah. And I've, I, I, I don't think, I think that's really helped kind of develop who they are and, and hopefully going forward as well. Right. So, well, so it's, it's pretty cool to be able to lean on, on a community and it's like, you know, you're doing what you super, you, what you enjoy the best and, and then you get all these extra benefits on the side um as well as far you know as just developing people and and relationships and stuff like that is yeah. is, is like the added bonus to it so i agree man and like it, uh as young men it's great that they have something to do because i think it's having nothing to do is where all the trouble comes from yeah yeah you totally know? yeah like, uh i know i was a young kid <laughs> yeah you know so um the back to racing i guess you, you obviously you did a bunch of local events and like even our bigger local events aren't that big. When you went uh, like to Erzberg or anything like that, what was your first, like, what was your first sort of large event? And did you get like a bit of a culture shock when you seen like 1800 competitors versus like a hundred for us? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but the first time I, uh, I got involved was um, I went, was uh, I went to my first six days yeah. in, uh, in 2005 and uh how that kind of came about was um yeah i started i had taken a break from competing and 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 riding really for i don't know once life came came to be a reality and um you know i had to work and make a make money and stuff like that and and uh so when i was about when from 20 to say 28 
I, uh, I, I got married and then we had the first kid. And, um, so I didn't really raise much, um, during that, that 20 to 28 age range. And then, um, when we had Chase, our, our oldest boy, um, I was like, it kind of spurred me on to go, man, I, I really need to like, you know, I was, had put on quite a bit of weight. I was like smoking and stuff like that. And I'm like, I got to get my life. Yeah. I got to get my health back in order. Right. I want to be able to spend, you know, I, I want to be there for him. So, so that spurred me on. I lost all this weight and, and, uh, and then I, I just went to a race on a whim one time and, and I, I just was like, eh, well, let's see how things are. Like I kind of missed that competing part of it. And, and then, and then and I won this race and I hadn't been around for like 10 years. And I'm just like, well, that was weird and surprisingly easy for me. Right. Because I was, I had found like I was in really good shape. I had quit smoking and I'm like, oh, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is actually, okay. I had all these skills from before and now I actually have the fitness to go along with it. So, so I started competing obviously from that more from that point. And, and then I got, you know, I was doing really well and. And then a buddy, uh, I met this, uh, Lee Freiberger. He's the, he's the team manager for, for the Canadian ISD effort. And, uh, he's like, man, you should come, you should come do one of these things. They're awesome. And uh, he's like, you know, you kind of got the local thing figured out, like, like kind of branch out. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That seems interesting. So, so away I went to Slovakia, um, with, uh, the team, with team Canada and, and yeah, that event was just like, it was just eye opening. Like it changed my whole entire perspective on 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 competing um and uh, and i went to that event and and uh, you know like oh, there's what 30 40 different nations there yeah. and just different cultures and just the that was just like awesome and then i came home from that event i'm like oh man my wife's not gonna be happy i gotta do more you know <laughs> 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 then we had we had kale <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, and then I ended up going to New Zealand the next year and she, I left her at home with six month old kale. And, uh, she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I gotta go. Like, it's just, I gotta go. And, uh, um, we had a really big effort that year in New Zealand. Like they, we had a huge team. It was super popular. Um, we had like really good backing through KTM and, 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 uh, and Aldo, a shoe company. Yeah. Um, so we sent like a really good team and, and did that. And that experience was awesome as well. And, um, so that's kind of where all those, like all the international stuff started to brew, um, doing all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, and so then I was like, this is where this corner grass racing team came, team came, came about. And we were like, well, let's, let's do some, some other stuff. Like these, all the, all of a sudden we started seeing all the stuff about like Erzberg or Romaniacs or last man standing, and so then, you know, last man standing, um, I had a buddy, Marty Helmaza, he had done it a few times and had gone to Erzberg and had some success. And of course he's, he's talking about, it and you're like, man, that would be pretty cool. Eh? Maybe, maybe we'll go try that. So went to last man standing. It was the third edition of it in 2007. And, um, right then and there, I'm like, Oh, this is pretty cool stuff. I think I need to do more of these. And then you start looking around on the internet and, Oh, Erzberg, Romaniacs. So, so, uh, we kind of set our sights on all that and, and ended up going over there and I'll never forget going to the first time I went to Romaniacs, uh, I entered pro cause I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I had the ability to do it. And that was the eye opener. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, I'll never forget. We're sitting there at, it was the prologue. And uh, I'm sitting there watching these guys ride around that I'm competing with. And they're like, they're just doing these like slow first gear wheelies all the way through town, up and over hills. They would, they hit like a building wall and they did a pivot turn 180 degrees. They come back towards me and then they throw it into like a nose wheelie down this hill and they would nose wheelie for like a hundred feet down the hill. And I'm just like, uh, okay, so I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> like I do not have those abilities. And I'm like, these guys are just playing around, messing around and they're all doing it. And I'm like, Oh God, what did I get myself into? Right. Yeah. And, uh, so we got into, we got into the event and, and, uh, it was just, it, just was, it pissed rain the whole entire time. 
and it's like the first day I was out there for like 12 hours and it was just, it was just like, it was brutal. Um, I was just like, Oh my, I'm, I'm way, I'm in way over my head. Um, but I was like, I'm not quitting. Like I came all this way. I put all this effort and money and I got my buddies here with me and I'm like, I'm not letting them down. There's no way. So I just kind of soldiered on. And the second day I found, uh, a guy from Croatia, we kind of ended up, you know, you kind of like you're, it was like, you know, we had a similar skill level. So we ended up kind of being in the same place at the same time, a few times. And we're like, he didn't speak English. I didn't speak Croatian, but we just developed this thing. Like, I'm like, all right, I'm helping you. And then he's helping me. And then pretty soon we wouldn't leave each other's side. Right. Yeah. And so, all of a sudden him and I just start freight training towards the front and we were able to like, like go, go off of each other. As far as navigation, we are identical speed and, and, and ability. He gets stuck somewhere. I'd help him quick. I'd get stuck somewhere. And, and we were, and so we, and we ended up coming from like 30th. And by the time we were done the, the event four days later, him and I were like, um, we ended up like, was it ninth and tenth or something like that? And That's amazing. Yeah, it was so cool, and we didn't even speak the same language. And like all we would just, you know, it's just like fist pumping. But you know, we knew. Yeah. So 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 yeah, that was that was my first experience of like I'm like oh I'm in over my head. But actually, I found out that I wasn't really in over my head. I, I did have the abilities and, and and the capability to do it. I, I just needed to believe in myself that I that I could right. Yeah, just gotta get out of your own way. Yeah, yeah. Right. So. So that event was like, it was like life changing for me. It taught me like how, how deep I could go into misery <laughs> and how much pain I could struggle through and, and the terror of some of the stuff that they, they wanted us to ride our motorcycles on. And I was able to kind of, you know, mentally conquer that. And so, I mean, ever since then, I, I feel like, you know, from a mental side of it, I'm like, there's nothing I can't. I can't do or, or overcome. So that was something that really changed, changed my outlook on, on riding and, and life in general too. So, so, um, so then, you know, of course you get that feeling and you're like, Oh, I'm never going to do that again. That was brutal. And then, uh, you know, time goes by and the wounds heal and you're like, Oh boy, starting to get that feeling again gonna have to go try it out <laughs> i want more you know that's just the competitive part and everybody has those feelings right and so yeah. so yeah we ended up doing a few more and and uh and yeah i just had some some awesome experiences and what made those experiences more, like like the best for me was i was able to do it with like buddies and friends of mine and it was always you know somebody different that would come along or, or what have you and you just get to share those experiences with all those people and it was, it was just, yeah, they were, they were like trips of a lifetime. No doubt. And, uh, like, uh, you've achieved some success in the ISDE, uh, a silver medal and a gold medal. Uh, yeah. like how did that feel climbing on a podium, uh, knowing that you're riding against like the whole world? It's not just like, I don't know, uh, Southern Alberta or, or even just one nation like that. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, and that's, that was, uh, that's always been my goal is I always had this, uh, ever since I started doing the, the six days, um, in 2005, I, I'm like, man, that, I just came away from there and I'm like, I gotta, I got, I want to, I want to get a gold medal. Like, that's what I, like, that means you're, you're within 10% of the best riders yeah. in the world. Right. So I'm like, I think I can do that. Um, but I just needed to, to figure out how to do it. And, uh, and then I never did quite get there. The first two, two times I went was 2005, 2006. And then I kind of took a break. We did all this hard enduro stuff. And, and, um, and then, um, actually in Canada, we ended up having like a Canadian enduro championship series, which came along. And so then we started focusing on that and then social media came along and all the websites and stuff like that. So we were able to get all this publicity like locally, which are of course our, our local sponsors and followers really liked. So, so we focused on that a little bit more, but I still had this, this, this gold medal thing. I, I on my bucket list, I needed to, to tick off. And, and then in 2013, that was the time that uh, kind of came about. And I wasn't super serious into racing that much anymore, but I, 
like, I, I guess as I was getting older and my kids were coming along, um, I wasn't focusing so much on myself, but that was still that one thing I still needed to kind of tick off the the list. And then I could be, oh, I'm happy with what I've done in, in my racing career. So, so yeah, I took my buddy Lee Freiberger and he came over and helped me. We were, went to uh, Sardinia in Italy and uh, I just rode on a club team and uh, yeah, I ended up doing really well and getting that gold medal. And, and for me, that was, that was kind of like the, the last hurrah for me. I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm like, you know, I don't have to chase all this stuff anymore. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of, I accomplished what I, what I set out to do, you know? So, so yeah, I, I was super pumped and that was probably the, you know, one of the biggest highlights of my career, just being able to achieve that, that goal and, 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 and get that sorted out. So. That's awesome. Have you ever given any, any thought to the fact that you uh, provide that feeling to people through rocks and logs and outliers and, and extinction? Uh, y- yeah, I, I, I kind of do. Cause I see it on their faces yeah. you know? <laughs> and, uh, and that's what drives me. You know, I'm just, I'm just so like, so passionate about it and, and providing people those opportunities. And then you, you see like, you, you, you get to see this, the struggles and then the elation, like it's just such a cool feeling to, to be a part of. Right. So, and that's the same thing that I went through my, my career is he, he is just like, you have the struggles and then you build on it and then you're like, yes, I did it. And that's the feeling you see, like every time somebody goes over a log or a rock or goes, you know, one of these gnarly Hills or whatever. And they're like, I didn't think I could ever do that. Right. And then all of a sudden they do it and they're, you know, that's it, like that just oh yeah got it right and you get to see that hundreds of times over right and it's it's so cool that's same 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 thing with coaching it's the same thing it's just like it's so awesome to see people like be able to achieve you know things that they never thought they would be able to do so that's amazing and uh so all the places you've ridden um like where where would you where do you find i don't know like your favorite spot the one you think of the most the one that that calls to you from the darkness yeah uh honestly like i have a sweet spot for romania um and i think really because i i i I relate it to it here like it's very similar to what we have here um it's just a little bit more freer or it was back then um you know you can kind of like we would just get up at from our hotel and we would just ride on the streets through town and then we would ride up into the hills and then the hills are you know the the train is just like what we have here um in alberta right like we have some of the best riding in the world here so so i think think that i you know that that brought a lot of comfort to me and i I was like oh yeah i I know what i know what i'm doing here like this is this is cool and but it was just in a different land and you're like riding by and there's like old farmers with horse-drawn carriages doing their thing and that's their living and you're just riding your bikes by there and seeing all this like super crazy cool stuff like the culture and the land and stuff like that it was that that was the coolest part to me so that's awesome so that, i always kind of go back to that you know you know the romania romania is, is a beautiful place and and uh, yeah it was it was a really great experience for sure do you ever do you think um if you never slung a leg over a dirt bike you'd have been able to see and be all the places you've been no, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, definitely. I consider myself pretty lucky to have had those experiences for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think the, I mean, it shaped your life. It shaped the life of your children. Like uh, it's shaped the lives of um, so many Calgarians just because they get to ride on your, your sort of like brainchild or whatever. Like yeah. Yeah. if you never slung a leg over, uh, things would be a lot different around here, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, that is uh, definitely a, a pretty, pretty wicked thing for sure. Yeah, that's all. That's crazy. So, um, I guess as a coach, what is the, what is it that you're finding with new riders or even experienced riders, um, like sort of like a common, I don't know, issue you always have to address, like that before we even got to you, we could just do it on our own before day one minute one with Shane yeah I think a lot of it a lot of it is just the position on the bike like I spend a lot of time trying to trying to explain like why uh, you need to be in this position 
versus the position that they're in. Um, and, and, you know, because you can riding dirt bikes, is not a simple thing. Like people think it is because it has a seat on it and it has handlebars and you just kind of, you're, you just sit there. It's like, people think it's just kind of like the first time they rode learn how to ride a bicycle you're kind of just sitting there and you're kind of all slumped over and you're not real sure about things and but dirt biking is like tough work like you're moving constantly and you're using every single part of your body to to manipulate the motorcycle so you need to be in a more athletic position on the motorcycle and, and that's what and then and then there's the intimidation factor also of like there's this thing with like you know 40 to 70 horsepower between your legs and if it if you do one wrong movement that thing's going and you know you're along for the ride and and who knows what's going to happen after that so so people are intimidated so their body positioning is intimidated as well they're not ready for the input of the bike they the, the, the machine is the boss instead of them being the boss on, on the motorcycle. Right. So, yeah. so trying to get people into the proper positions to be, to be prepared for that. And then also be in an athletic position to be able to maneuver the motorcycle is, it has been the biggest thing that's, you know, challenge that I have is trying to bring it across to people like, and, and, and then when I do my coaching, I, I really try to say like, this is, this is why, and I kind of have over the time been able to develop like, little ways to kind of like different ways to bring it across to people because everybody learns a little bit differently. And, yeah. you know, it could be one key word that, you know, person X might not get, but person Y is like, Oh, okay. I, I get exactly what you're trying to say to me right now. So, so, you know, it's that kind of thing, but yeah, rider, rider, rider positioning is big. Even, even the, even the, even top riders, like, you know, they, it's, it's like one thing, like you ride it, learn how to ride a bicycle and that's just the way you think it's supposed to be done. And, and you ride that bicycle the same way for the rest of your life for the rest of your life. And then somebody comes along and says, well, you, you probably could actually, you know, be a little bit more efficient if you did this. And they're like, huh, but then we've been doing that for all of our life and trying to change it. It's not the easiest thing to do, right? Yeah, <laughs> because you, you just naturally come back to that spot that you've been doing for your whole entire life. So, so, um, and I even have that, like, I know there's certain things like when I'm riding, I'm constantly analyzing what I'm doing, even so, even more so now that I'm coaching, because I'm thinking about it, and I'm talking about it all the time. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. I'm not doing what I actually preach. Like I gotta, I gotta get my feet back onto the foot pegs where I'm saying they're supposed to be, but they keep on slipping forward because that's where I've ridden for the last 30 years. Right. So, yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that, that's, that's been the biggest, uh, the biggest thing I've found is with, with riders. And, and, yeah, I find- and when you do make the changes, it's just unbelievable. Like all of a sudden they're like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe just something like that. So simple yeah. because really, honestly, like none of it's rocket science. It's just, it's just knowing why you need to be there and then feeling the why yeah it's so big for people like there's there's all of a sudden there's like oh my gosh this is this is way easier and it's saving a little um uh focus for for self-awareness and not so much on the task i don't know how to describe it like uh keith codes in his book talks about how when you're driving you have ten dollars and uh everything you do costs some money so in the beginning learning how to clutch costs five dollars and uh being aware of, of uh, the traffic around you costs $4 and you know, all the little things like 60, 70 cents and you got 20 cents left over to manage what you don't see coming, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, so as you make it a little more natural, a little, a little more on autopilot, so you don't have to think about clutching and all that stuff, it costs you less to maintain those things. And then you have five, $6 left over for the unknown. Yeah. And uh, that's where you want to strive to be is with uh, money in the bank. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you know, you know, it's the same way. Like if you ever gone on on a ride and you went with a new group and to a new area, you are like using so much more energy because it's just not your body. It's your, it's your mental state as well. And, and so you, you're completely knackered after that, right? Like you're spent, like you're, you hit the wall, that's it. But you go back there the next time and you're like, oh. I know exactly what to expect this time because you kind of got an idea of the train and you kind of got an idea of the group. And then that time you're like, Oh, 
that wasn't as bad as I remembered it being. So like coaching, like, like learning all those different new techniques is the same way. The first time it's like, Oh my God, this is weird. My butt hurts. My back hurts. I don't think that dude knows what he's talking about. And then I'm like, Hey, it's okay. Like just give it a, a couple of rides. And then all of a sudden people are like, Oh, that was amazing. Like I, I'm like, well, how, does your back hurt anymore? No, no, it doesn't anymore. And I'm like, yes, yeah, because you just had those weird stabilizer muscles that you were never used to engaging. And and they're like, yeah, now it's like, I totally get why you why you stand like that or you get in that position. Um, but they're like, I didn't think it was going to work for me at all because it hurt so bad. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah. It's not like I'm trying to inflict some sort of pain on people or anything like that. I know. It's, just, it's just using new muscles like that you, that you've never had to use before, right? So yeah, it's kind of like uh, their birth into dirt biking. It's going to be yeah. painful, but then once yeah. you're on the other side, everything will be nice. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, the yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I I don't even know how. Like, I, I class myself as like a new rider. I've been on dirt bike for three seasons now, mm. and uh, maybe four, and I came from like road bikes i guess so okay. like i have habits that are totally efficient on the road bike but they don't translate over you know yeah. like so yeah. i i class them as bad habits and i'm trying to get through them all right like on. standing totally locked out instead of standing in the attack position mm-hmm. um longer than i should like i don't mind standing locked out in some like cruising settings but then yeah. i'll find myself uh doing it in the woods and then find myself sitting down and then I'll remember that I'm sitting down and be like, oh, dude, you got to stand. And then <laughs> right. Then you hit a corner where it's like you're allowed to sit for a corner. And then I just stay seated and just like, oh, dude, you got to stand like yeah, yeah. babysitting yourself. I don't know. It's so. funny. I ride a lot of motocross these days, um, which is like kind of been happening. Like well, when I went to my first six days, I was a hardcore off-road rider. And so I thought six days is like the off-road Olympics, right? And yeah. So- like, oh, I'll be fine. I know how to go through trees super fast. But in six days, they have like, they have different types of tests. Some of them are like enduro and then they have cross tests, they're called, which is like very, like basically a grass track okay. um, in some farmer's field, right? Up and down, but it's always like undulating up and down like hills and off cameras and weird stuff. So, so when I did that, I, I came home, I'm like, man, I really sucked in those cross tests. <laughs> like, I'm never going to get a gold medal if that's how I ride. And I had this total off-road style. So when I came home, I'm like, I got I to gotta learn how to motocross. And being an off-road guy, I'm like, like the motocross track was not Scary. a place you want to go, right? Like, it's just like your bike is soft and... And it's a scary place because you don't like to, you know, have the wheels leaving the ground that much. And, and, and so, but I'm like, nah, I got to do it. I got to will myself to do it. And, and then I started riding moto and then as, as I started getting better and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then they start progressing. So now, so now I have like this huge affection for moto as well. And, uh, um, so I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. Well, you're talking uh, about skills transfer, I think is what we were working on really. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Moto skills helping you with, uh, ISDE. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So, so then it was funny because like the other, yesterday actually we were at the track and, and I was just like, I'm like, man, I should be sitting. Cause that's what all the motocrossers are doing, but this doesn't feel natural. Like I feel like I can go through this corner better standing up, which is like a long sweeping corner. Right. <laughs> So I always have a good time when I'm out there because people are like, dude, I can't believe you can go through that corner so fast standing on your foot pegs. And I'm like, yeah, that's just what's natural for me, right? And like if I have both my feet on my foot pegs, I can wait the bite way better than if I if if I take my foot off um, and put and put it in a traditional motocross style. I'm not saying that I don't do that because yeah. there's definitely reasons you need to do that, but um I sometimes wonder what people think when they see me riding out there because I'll, I'll stand a lot more and I'll keep my feet on the pegs a lot more than your typical motocross person would. Um, and, but, uh, so that's getting to your point of like, you know, you're, you're going in and you're like, Oh, it's a corner. I should sit. And uh, I always tell people, Oh, well, does that feel natural or not? And they're like, no, no it feels like sh- it's totally awkward and weird. And I'm like, well, st- we'll stand. And they're like, Oh, you can stand through here? I'm like, yeah, stand. <laughs> it's, just yeah. so, it's just so simple, right? <laughs> oh, this was just like an aha moment for me, man. Because like yeah. on the hill track, um, 
I guess the way it is now, uh, the way they're coming in, they're sort of like a 180 degree turn. Then you're going to go up the hill and like do the horseshoe and come down, go over that, that culvert, yep. that turn there. I have to tell, as I'm coming to it, I tell myself I have to sit down, uh, to take it. And, uh, and I don't want to sit down. So when I'm in it, it's just like this cross wiring, this fire, like, I don't know. I just don't take it very nice. I take yeah. it very awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, so now I'm going to try it standing. Yeah. And <laughs> especially next- like long sweeping corners, it's totally yeah. fine to, to stand. Or even if you do sit, like just keep your feet on the pegs. You'll be amazed at the difference in it when you have both feet on the pegs versus like, you know, you think you got to do the motocross turn. Like, cause we see in the magazines and we see the super top supercross riders in the world, they always put their one foot out. Um, but you really don't have to, like, if you have both feet on the pegs, you're able to weight the bike a lot better. Yeah. With both, both those, I mean, if it comes to a really tight turn or something like that, you you do have to put your weight, your front leg out to weight the front. But a lot of people use that leg out as a crutch. <clears throat> like as soon as you put that leg out, people just dab, and then all of all, and then everything goes to shit, right? Like because it's the reason you put your foot out is not to catch yourself from falling; <laughs> it's actually to weight the front of the bike more so that you get more bite on the front tire. But people use it as a crutch. They they, they, they dab it and then all, all, all your center mass and everything's off as soon as you do that. So you're just basically screwed, right? Yeah, I can see it. I can see how the weight would transfer would just go sort of from the inside front, uh, go up through your body as soon as you touch the ground and then go to the outside peg and yeah. start lifting you out of the turn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, all right. Well, I don't know. I've taken about an hour of your time. Uh, so, just is there any like i don't know sponsors or anything you want to give a shout out to because i usually try to close that or open with that yeah um yeah this year actually uh got a pretty cool relationship with gas gas um so so the they've been helping me out quite a bit and i'm kind of i'm pumped on that because like it's the same it's kind of the same brand that i've been involved in all along like uh way back when i was husaberg that's where I really started getting support. And that was when KTM bought Husaberg. And then when Husaberg went away, it transferred over to Husqvarna. And then when gas gas came along, I'm like, Hey, like I want to be involved in this. And, and they're like, why? And I'm like, well, when I was with Husaberg, like I could actually see my ability and, and on our, our team, this corner grass racing team's ability to actually like, I could actually move the needle a little bit in, in impact the company as far as like like sales and getting people to the to the to the dealers and and because it was new and people yeah. and we were able to get people excited about it and then you know as i transferred over to Husqvarna and stuff like that and it became even more as popular as ktm I'm like i can't move the needle anymore like there's just so many it's just too big right and then when gas gas came well, i'm like oh this is something i can actually dig in and, and really help out with so so we, we talked and, and they're like, yeah, we, let's, let's try this. So, so, so that's hence why I'm on a, on a red bike this year and trying to, trying to do that kind of thing. So I'm super pumped on that. Um, how do you, so how do you find the gas gas? It's been, it's been pretty good. Like it's very similar, um, to KTM Tuscarora, like a very similar feel. Um, there's a few different changes, uh, on, on the bike. Like they have, uh, different, uh, triple clamps on them. They're, because the, the whole idea behind that bike is kind of like a, like a fun bike is what they're, what they're marketed as. Like they're, they, they're bringing them in, um, at a lower, uh, price retail price. So they're in around 800 to a thousand dollars cheaper than the KTMs and Husqvarna's. Um, and the, and how they're doing that is they like put class cast clamp, cast triple clamps on instead of the, the, uh, the billet clamps. And like, it doesn't come with an hour meter, um, and it doesn't actually have branding on the wheels, but they are still like XL wheels. So, so they, I guess through all those little changes, they were able to reduce the price to, to a better price point, which is in line with, with the Japanese bikes now. So, yeah. so your typical consumer can go, Oh, well, when am I going to go buy a Yamaha or Honda or Kawasaki? And now gas gas is in the same market. So they're like, you know, they have that opportunity now to, to try an Austrian bike that has, you know, 
the best of the line well in my opinion anyways hydraulic clutches and and the and just the top components like the brembo brakes and and um all those ktm type things that uh so so now people have have more choices <laughs> instead of just having you know now now they're not restricted by a, a price point anymore so Fair that's, that's part of where the where the gas gas thing comes along and i've been riding it um the, the, the main difference for me this year actually is uh like i'm right i'm on a four stroke this year and i've been riding two strokes forever so so that's been the biggest change for me is just riding the four stroke and, yeah fair enough yeah. That, there's like a sea of red taking over southern alberta <laughs> yeah it happens like that right people yeah. just want change so it's like it's something new and so i'm like oh, i'm all in on that i'm like that's cool yeah, it's awesome. like the, the, the neatest thing about those bikes is they they just look like so cool like the just the color of them is uh, like for me it's just it's that that that's like one of the major appeals of that bike it kind of looks like a ferrari almost you know so yeah man yeah they're they're a nice looking machine like uh yeah. and they sound good and everybody has been really positive uh anyone i've asked uh, how they like their machine they're just like oh yeah and like really yeah really positive so it's not like anybody's got buyer remorse or anything like that yeah, so yeah. that that's encouraging yeah. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I established a few more other partners just through the company too, like Midas. Um, so I'm using the, the Midas brand of tires this year, which is, which has been pretty cool. Like they have a, a ton of different tires and, and compounds and stuff like that. So I've been working with them and I'm pretty pumped on, on how that is just because of the selection. Like they have moto tires, they have like off-road tires and then they have like extreme off-road tires, like the really gummy stuff. So it's really cool because I do do pretty much everything that you can do with knobby tires like you know i we're into moto we're into off-road we're into hard enduro we're into trials we're into all that so they have they have a tire for everything so that's that's been really really neat to us to build that relationship with them and uh through my coaching i also use like these uh like if i do a private session i'll use um like two-way communication so yeah partnered up with cardo cardo systems and that's been that's been interesting trying to use those and talk back and forth to riders i don't really have to like it's it's super efficient if if i can get it all working proper which sometimes i can and sometimes i can't just because uh, yeah. there's a lot of different buttons and stuff like that and but they work great um because i don't have to stop people on the trail and and explain like i can actually correct them in real time yeah and so it's and then like even if we're out on the trail ride, i'm like just go left go right and I don't, they don't actually have to stop. So it's like, I can give people so much more, more time for their money just by using those things. So, so I'm, I'm pumped on those things. Those are wonderful, man. Yeah. I yeah. use them with the family. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, and then we use FXR gear. Um, and, um, and then, uh, I get all my suspension and stuff like that done through the shop direct suspension there. So, so. That's uh, that's pretty much, and, and then Blackfoot Direct Off. Obviously, I can't forget those guys. Yeah, they're, they're the main main sponsors, actually. So Dean Dean's been really good to us, and uh, my my oldest boy Chase is actually working there now. Oh, nice! All the, all the marketing and stuff like that for them. So, so, so yeah, we got a pretty pretty tight connection with those guys there. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. I want to thank my guests for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. A special thank you to you, my supporters. Without you, this would not be possible. If you enjoyed the show, give it a five-star rating. And if you haven't already, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. If this is your first time listening, I encourage you to take the three-episode challenge. Once again, thank you for your continued support, and stay tuned to find out what's coming up next time. 